Welcome back to SideQuest. Today is June 10th, and this is Zach Foley. What year is it, Zach? You didn't say it. I don't know. It's... (laughs) (laughs) If you're not keeping up, like, it's 2023. (laughs) Welcome to it. Oh, God. So, how have you been this week, Eric? Uh, You know, Zach, I... I'm fine. I'm good. I'm great. I'm grand. I'm yelling on the bus. Um... You know, I'm here. That's that's important. I find that like if you don't keep your sense of self, you'll really sort of fall apart as you go through the tragedy that is this life. <laughs> I have some good news. I got I got a job. Oh, that's not good news. No, it's not. No, it's, that is... it's fine working again. It's nicer with the health insurance, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's why you need I a was wife very that... honest with everybody that I interview with, like uh, I'd like a remote job. I'd like to make this much. I'd like my benefits totally cared for. <laughs> and I'm going to work for you for like 10 years. I, I also want minimal responsibility. Yeah, that's not in the cards for me, sadly. I'm, I'm always going to have this super responsible job. But I will say it like this. Usually nobody has the cojones to come to you and say, I think you should do it a different way because right. then they're responsible. <laughs> That's always a fun position to be in. It's like, let me do this and leave me alone. Yeah, but no, have... it's been it's been a good week. I've been I've been getting used to the new gig and making sure that everybody knows that. And, and again, like I go into these jobs and I just say, look, I want to help you, I want to support you, and that's it. And then all the drama starts. So you know, I'm expecting it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> I have fallen in love with owning my own businesses because you know who I answer to. No one. Eric Pewterschmidt. If I don't want to work, guess what? I'll work. <laughs> yeah, there's that, that tricky piece of it where if you don't work, you don't get paid thing, though. <laughs> yes. Fortunately, I'm I'm very versed in that from the past seven years of being commission-only sales, where it's like, hey, you want some money? You got to work. But then you fall quickly into the you never stop working. So it's finding that fine balance of just, you know. I'm going to work enough to be happy. Yeah, if, if I can just rant about this for a second, and it's not anything to do with what we talked Well, it is about working less. Um, okay. <laughs> rant away. No, yours. no, no, no. I just, I feel like every remote company out there, or every company out there that's refusing to go remote is missing the boat. Oh, uh, big time. On, on big stuff. Because, again, I can be in my jammies at home perfectly happy. I can get paid less money. Uh, and I don't have to see people. And that's what I want out of a job. <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of people are um, forgetting to account for. Is when you work remote, it's okay to make less because yeah. you're going to be happier. And from someone who's taken a significant pay cut to be happier, you cannot uh, you, you cannot overvalue your happiness. Yeah. it's It's incredible. Like my happiness factor went through the roof as soon as i moved took it was like a 60 percent pay cut moved came back and she's like wow i'm happy i don't care about the other stuff because before yeah you could be making a ton of money but you're stressed and that's not fun yeah or people stressing you which is less fun yes (laughs) but the other thing too is that like you said companies are missing the boat on it is that they're forgetting that Something they always have to account for within their organization is employee happiness and employee satisfaction. 
And we saw at the company that I was working at when COVID hit, we had all of our inside sales go remote. And they were really concerned because these people had worked in a cubicle nine hours a day, five days a week for a decade. Like, oh, my God, they're they're not going to they're not going to perform. They're not going to be you know, they're not going to do as good of a job. Uh, We're going to have people leaving and this and that and the other thing. And what they saw was the actual opposite. They saw production or they, they saw productivity go through the roof. People reported being a lot happier and everything just went swimmingly because a lot of these people were driving in from half hour to an hour away. You're giving them two hours of their day back just off the top, just from not having to commute. But then, like you said, you're at home, you're in your pajamas at your desk. If you got five minutes, you can go throw a load of laundry in like people's like you're giving them incremental pieces of their day back and they're going to be infinitely happy. They're like, I'm not going to fuck this up, so I'm going to work harder. And they're missing the boat on that. Yeah, I think it's true. And I, I absolutely I'm one of those people. I just I work better from home. I work better without distraction. I don't mind going into the office once a month. Although that'll now be pricey with it being in Winnipeg, uh, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't, experience. I don't mind it. But I don't, I don't, I don't think I could operate in an office scenario anymore. That just doesn't make sense no, to me. I, I honestly don't think I could ever operate in a traditional nine to five where it's like, hey, we need you here on these days from this time to this time, and if you want time off, you have to request it off. Like I. That does not jive with how my brain functions anymore. I've been so reprogrammed into I manage myself and I'm really good at managing myself. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just managing your priorities and understanding that you as a creative person really do need to take some time off every once in a while and just sit there and stare at a wall. Well, human Um, productivity isn't linear. You know, you can't put somebody in front of a computer in a cubicle and say, be productive for these next eight hours. No. If you look at how much time people piss away just milling about at other cubicles, going to the cafeteria, going to the bathroom, just shooting the shit, dicking around, I bet you you get maybe three and a half hours of productivity out of a a regular corporate employee. Maybe. Sure. Sure. You're sitting at home. You're going to be. End of rant. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. This is a video game podcast. Yeah. See, I was just talking about working less. So. (laughs) But by working less, did you play? more games i did i did actually pick up a couple games this week and last week so i've been i've I've been busy it's been a a long two weeks but a good two weeks i bought a game so this is i bought a game yesterday that i never i've seen it before but i never thought i was actually gonna buy i'm like that looks dumb but i was (laughs) there's an eric game for you (laughs) yeah i was well i was sitting at dinner last night and christy and i were talking about um my business and things that I want to do to grow it. And uh, so I I run a drone service company now where I do aerial photography, videography, um, land survey, all of that type of stuff. So I want to start doing videos for um, Airbnbs. And to do that, it's better to have an FPV or first person view drone. And they have DJI just put out a brand new one, the Avada that has really, really good uh, flight controls. It's got a like a motion control stick with it, but it's got FPV goggles. It's very small. It's got bumper guards on it, so you can fly through really tight spaces. Part of the reason I want that too is that our girl's school is doing a brand new building, and I've been documenting it. And now that the walls are starting to go up, I want to be able to fly through the interior of it to do some of these video updates. 
Well, I started reading and fell into a rabbit hole about, well, how do you, you know, how different is it to fly FPV versus regular, you know, through your controller with the screen? And people are saying, well, hey, you could always train using simulators. Well, then I'm like, what the fuck is a drone simulator? Let's figure this out. So I started looking into the <laughs> Oculus and the PSVR. And there's a game called Liftoff Drone Racing. And everybody universally is like, great simulator to learn how to fly acro mode or which is acrobatics <laughs> where a drone has a bunch of flight stability controls built into it where if you take off it'll just hover there or if you go to take a corner the, the computer will help you corner that so it doesn't flip and spin out and and crash into a tree sure sure acro mode turns all of that off so if you take off it'll go zing and just go flying away so you watch all these these drone <laughs> pilots on on uh Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or whatever, and they're all flying in acro mode where you can do all these flips and spins and twists. And oh my God, thank God I got into a simulator with that because <laughs> I sat there on the couch last night, like trying to fly this fucking thing, and I just couldn't do it because the flight controls are so different than what I'm used to. And then I flipped it into what I'm used to, and I'm zipping around the course, like, okay, at least I know that this is a an accurate representation <laughs> of what flying a drone with these controls are. So if I could master flying acro mode in this game, it'll translate to real world. So um, it'll help. It'll help. Yes. Yeah, that's, but thank that's God I didn't buy a $2,000 drone and be like, acro mode. Woo! As it goes sailing off into a tree. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I imagine at some point, like those skills will just combine in your head. You'll realize you've been preparing for this for your whole life, right? Yeah. Like it's going to turn into ace combat. I'm ready for that. I want to see the drone do, the do loop-de-loops and all sorts of shit. <laughs> the thing that I wish somebody would come out with is the, the, so there's three different flight control modes. There's mode one, mode two, mode three. Mode two is pretty much industry standard where your left stick is your throttle up, throttle down, and then yaw left and right and right stick controls like your, your strafing and stuff. My brain is the opposite because of video games. Like all the Call of Duty drones that you get into, um, R2 is up and L2 is down. It's like, I want a drone <laughs> controller that has that with those uh, triggers. So you break muscle memory. And this is up and down. Yes, I had to break muscle memory. And I, I, I was in that simulator and I said, what if I tried to learn industry standard and threw it into mode two? <laughs> couldn't do it. Just yeah. flat out couldn't do it. So yeah, Call of Duty drone is the way it, I, I find that too. like it, when I I mean, and that that is exactly like playing games, right? Like you get yeah. used to controlling something else that's on a screen or on another platform somewhere um, by muscle memory. And so when you go to a new game and the controls are even slightly different. In fact, I think that makes it worse yes. when controls are just slightly different and you want to die. Like, I, I can't do it. I can't make my thumb do this. The best way to describe it is if you're not an invert player, turn on invert. And try to play that. But yeah, you're right. It's the the video game skills have directly correlated to me being able to fly. I was doing a flyover for a a 300 acre neighborhood yesterday and just sitting there on my screen in the back of the Jeep. And it was like sitting there playing a video game. I had my my phone up on the controller and I'm just looking at the screen flying around. And I've got a drone, you know, 2000 feet away flying up over a bluff. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's such a skill. I, I I think your generation, my generation is definitely not quite there, but yours probably is where, again, you just grew up doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so your brain adapts to it really easily. I, I you know, I got aim, you know, I, I got chat. <laughs> I, I can play doom. <laughs> exactly. 
But I had a a big demon in a toilet can and you're all fucked. (laughs) I had a scary moment with it yesterday because I was was trying to get this really cool shot. It's the subdivision that's tucked into the middle of the bluffs. And I wanted to get this cool panning shot where you come up behind a bluff and then you see the subdivision. Well, as soon as I got to the other side of the bluff, my controller went connection lost. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) Thank God it. It's got these safeguards built into or if it loses connection, it just goes vertical for about 400 feet until it reconnects. And like, oh, there we are. Oh, by the <laughs> way, I am now well above the legal height limit. So yeah. let's go ahead and bring that bad boy back down. We'll try and get a small plane on the way down. You know, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a situation with that where I was I was doing some flyover at the girls school and I had to file a a petition with the FAA to get clearance because it's within a mile of the airport. And every time I want to fly, I have to call the airport. I had to get a certificate of authorization on file with them. And the, the, the app that I fly with has an actual um, radar on it that shows where manned aircraft are in the area. So uh, there was a, there was a, a training pilot who's touch and goes at the airport in like every 90 seconds, he would come flying over the school and my controller would go crazy. Like, Warning, 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 aircraft in vicinity, aircraft in vicinity, descend, fly cautiously. And then he'd leave, do his touch and go, and I'd be trying to get this really cool shot. And warning, warning, warning. Like, fuck this. I'm just going to come back a different day. And he was doing it for like an hour. So every 90 seconds. This I feel is like they should the gamify those and like they should be like quest either attack or destroy. You know, you like <laughs> you get the option there. <laughs> Well, what's what's interesting is coming up here pretty soon. They're they're going to be activating what's called remote ID on all drones, and then anybody with a phone can download an app. So if they see a drone in the sky, if they wanted to, they could look up, pull up dro- uh, remote ID and see like, oh hey, whose drone is that in the area? And like all your information could be there. So there's a bunch of controversy about stuff like that. So sure. right now it's it's not the airport knows where I'm at, but. I don't know. It's a dude. It's a fun gig, man. I'm I'm loving it. It's no. I I'm I'm so happy you found something that makes you happy. That sounds it's actually it sounds cool. unconventional in a way that attracts me. But also the idea of buying tiny little flying electronics makes me think I'll be poor in ten years. So I don't <laughs> I, do, I don't need that in my life. I don't. <laughs> I do very much have to keep a check on it because you know every year a new drone comes out and you're like oh I want that. But the part of me that I still really struggle with from video games that translates into the rest of my life is selling shit. I just don't get rid of my stuff, which is why incrementally over the past five years, I've gotten a bigger house and a bigger house and a bigger house, which leads me to my next conversation topic, my game room. Um, Yeah, let's hear it. There's been lots of progress. There has been a ton of progress. So when we moved into this house, there was uh, the the owner before us just had literally just finished out the basement. And he left a you know, 15 foot by 35 foot unfinished storage room. And that had our water heater and our furnace and some of the utilities in the ceiling with it. And I discovered that's a great place to sit and play video games because I can be loud and yell and scream. And it's on the other side of the house and nobody hears me. But I didn't like sitting in a dungeon. It was just completely unfinished concrete floor, wood header ceilings. Um, there was this white plastic on the walls because they'd put they'd put framing up. God, let's let's finish this out because if I don't, what happens to storage space in your house? Oh, it gets filled up with ungodly amounts of shit, and <laughs> then the walls aren't painted. So you're like, fuck it, I, this doesn't exist to me anymore. <laughs> it gets filled up with shit, and that's exactly what was happening. I went, 
no, I'm going to head this off at the pass. So I cleared all the shit out of there and I, I decided how much storage space do I need? Because Christy was starting to uh, take it over with decorations. Like, no. Oh, dear. No. We have a space under the storage or under the stairs, storage space under the stairs. You can fill that up with as many decorations as you want. I don't give a shit if it's bursting at the seams. That's your decoration space. Here's what we need. And I, I sectioned off the back portion of it, which was 15 feet wide by about seven feet. I'm like, that's our storage space. If it can't fit in there, we're throwing it away. We just don't need it. So I went through the process of building walls. I learned how to frame because I didn't want to pay somebody to come and do it. So I built a wall along that back section. And then um, the part that sucked the most was that there was a drain in the floor by our water heater. But it was right in the middle of the entire room. I'm like, well, shit, I can't lay any sort of flooring over that. So I had to call in a contractor to come and move it, which $1,300 later to move a drain four feet in oh, concrete. Cutting a hole in the floor cost you $1,300. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to do it because it's, you know, laying concrete and like feathering out of a drain and plumbing and all of that. So I said, covering this- all your belongings in concrete dust. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Holy shit. You can't, even if you were in a hermetically sealed bubble, that still isn't enough to protect you from concrete dust because he he trenched it out, moved it, and then he put self-leveling concrete. But it didn't self-level. So I came back there and it was like a little mountain range in this four foot by three foot section. Oh man, that's so bad too. There's no way I can lay flooring over this. I called him up and he goes... Uh, must not a must not a leveled like you think <laughs> you didn't add that ingredient sir so he had to come back and he had to grind it down he was there for like another six hours with a grinder and it created this fine mist it wasn't like concrete dust it was mist and it was everywhere literally everywhere and we had the, like i said that white fabric covering the insulation on the walls that absorbed all the dust so if you I, I have an air purifier back there that measures the particulates in the air and as soon as it measures a certain level it kicks on and we keep it by our, our pellet stove just to kind of keep the air clear anytime i would just walk into the room it would go and kick on full blast <laughs> so i'm back there dusting every couple days because you, you, you stuff gets kicked up well and then i decided to have the ceiling painted because it's like what am i going to do with this ceiling am i going to drop tile it am i going to drywall it well i couldn't do either of that because it had all the utilities like the pex piping and the knobs to turn all the water on and off so i said i'm just going to paint it black i was thinking about the basement we were at in chad's house and how freaking cool that looked like just a black industrial look to it so I had a guy come out and he goes well just make sure that the everything's you know dusted off and cleaned well, fuck, that's going to take forever. <laughs> Sir, isn't that your job? <laughs> so I thought I thought about taking my leaf blower down there and just like hitting all of it. But then there's nowhere for it to go. Um, so I it's like blowing out the, the, the back of a storage unit with, with, with the blower. But, I can't imagine you, that would go well. <laughs> you're blowing into the storage unit. So it's just creating this vortex of shit. But blows uh, up over to your head, drops on you, you blow it back in. <laughs> But yeah, he he came. He did the uh, black prior. Did the the first coat of the black yesterday. Um, I built a wall around our furnace. I built a wall around the water heater. So everything is about eighty percent. I got to learn how to do taping and mudding, which 
that's not going to go well. Um, and then I got to lay some flooring and then figure out how I want to lay everything out. And then hopefully the hope, the hope is when I'm done that I don't hate it and want to tear it out. Yeah. Well, I wish you luck. That's, that's not something that's in my blood usually, especially if I build it or I'm involved in any way. I look at something like halfway through the project and go, eh. <laughs> I want to do something else. <laughs> I'm very much the same way, but then I also get to the middle of it and be like, oh, fuck. I kind of wish I wouldn't have started this because now I have to finish. And a project so, that you wanted to take two weeks is now at four. Yeah, and $4,000 over budget, but you have those badass stereo speakers, right? Like, that's, I, I get it. I get the slippery yeah. slope. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm, I'm renovating my office space in the next month or two. And for the first time, I'm actually coming up with like drawings before I do it yep. <laughs> because I want specific things in specific places. And that's, that's maddening because even in the, you know, the drawing, and you know, I have like, you know, a little draftsman kit. Um, I, I, I find that like, I'm like, ooh, but I could do this and I could do that. And every time I add on several hundred dollars. So I'm just going to not do that anymore. <laughs> the worst part is when you start trying to add electrical to it because yeah. you got to, you're supposed to hire an electrician. Yeah. But I didn't. Oh, no. I mean, I've done, <laughs> I've done outlets and stuff before, but I taught myself like, hey, how do I add another breaker to the circuit breaker? So I learned how to do that and hooked all that stuff up. And I don't plan on selling this house for a long, 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 long time. So I need, don't need to worry about, you know, because when you go to sell a house, like, oh, what work did you have done? Who did it? What's their contractor number? I don't know. Person went out of business. <laughs> I had it done yeah, 20 years ago. See, that's a valid excuse now. It can be every five minutes and nobody would bat an eye at it. Oh, like they all went out of business. <laughs> yeah, my neighbor's having some work done and I asked the guys to come over and help me out. I don't know what the name of the company was. Oh, did yeah. they pull a permit? I don't know. That's their job. Uh, permitting. Another no, whole on. section of my youth that I'm not ready to talk about yet. <laughs> oh, God. I made a huge mistake that could have cost me quite a bit of time and money. But thank God I, I, I caught it. I was sitting there playing some games in the back room. And I was just, this game was loading. I was looking at the, the, the wall that I built and how it connected to a wall that was previously built. Like, why are the footers different? colors that the one that's previously built is a lot darker why oh fuck i didn't use pressure treated lumber on the footers that's coming in contact with the concrete so i had this huge internal debate like this wall was 15 feet wide by eight feet tall it was heavy i had to hammer it into place under the floor joists i don't want to take this thing down so i did a bunch of reading everyone's like you'll probably be fine However, yeah. if any water gets in there, that wood will swell and it'll cause your wall to swell and then it'd just be a big issue. Like, okay, how much is pressure treated lumber? For $26 and about two hours worth of time, I saved myself potentially thousands of dollars and weeks of headache down the road. So I had to tear all the walls down that I built. I mean, oh. every single wall was up and it was square, it was plumb, it was level. It was secured into the walls and the ceiling and the floor. I had to pull out Tapcon screws from the concrete just to replace 12 feet of lumber. Well, and that's what you do, though, uh, because otherwise you'll sit at, awake at night just listening for, like, the sump pump and nope. go, like, ah! <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> it's not swelling my floor joist, is it? Yeah, so I, I get it. I, working on a house is such shit. 
And I'm doing so minimal a thing to my house that I feel like it should go fast, which, of course, is why it'll all fall apart. Like, yep. I'm, I'm having the hardwoods replaced in the house. We bought the house oh, okay. new. They came with, like, the peel and stick hardwoods, basically. Uh, and so we're having all the floors replaced. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be easy. Yeah, until they pull up the floor and figure out that it's not level and that they have to <laughs> auto level it. <laughs> and then, like, comes the painting. <laughs> and then it's, do you do the paint first or the floor first? Oh, I don't know. And I want to move this outlet. Oh, by the way, this room isn't really powered by the house. You know, like it's all that fun stuff that gets in your way. Yeah, uh, that's why you pay somebody of, else. Of genuine home repair. And then you've got to figure out, Eric's right, like the code stuff is the most maddening thing on the face of the earth. Like you can't put an outlet there. Why? Because it's in like six feet of the, the corner of the wall. Oh, okay. Well, this wall isn't six feet long. Well, just fucking figure it out then. Like what? <laughs> Guess you're not gonna have any power in this room. And you look it up in the, the like the code book, and it's like, yeah, figure it the fuck out. Oh, good. Well, I, I guess we'll just be books. bribing this guy. And that shit's so vaguely written. Oh like, yeah. What is what does any of this mean? And I Nothing. think that they do that on purpose because then a contractor can come in and and interpret it. It's like different versions of the Bible. They look yeah. at it and they go, like, well, I think it means this, so I'm gonna do this and charge you this much. Yeah, the problem is you always get that one Old Testament, you know, like code enforcement board officer <laughs> comes in, reads the letter of the law, and then you have to bribe him. <laughs> Just don't come into my room and Please make me leave tear it out. Yeah, yeah. Devil be gone. <laughs> yeah. But no, it should be it should be done soon and then the game room gets set up. I've got some good ideas for it and uh nice. I can finally be on my way and because I have this condition where if there's unfinished space in my house, I obsess until something's done with it. Sure. Because unfinished space leads to, like, just what you said, it's a storage war. Yeah. Like, who is keeping crap here? I don't want this crap here. I, I don't even know what this crap is. I don't want this crap. <laughs> you know, and it wouldn't have been as big of a deal had we not had the theater in the house when we moved. Because I would have just converted the theater into my game room. Like, that space was perfect. It's like, but it's a movie theater. Yeah. And it's leave great. That alone. And I'm not going to touch it. I mean, we probably spend minimal time in there. So that's a, a 20 by 20 space that's just minimally used that could have been an awesome game room. But it's a movie theater. Yeah, I get it. My my biggest thing is I want to have spaces that I can close off to certain people and like namely my children yeah. uh, because I keep valuable shit in there. Yep. And I don't it's not that I don't love them or I don't want to, you know, participate with stuff. But like sometimes they, you know, they just do things like they come in your house and they're swinging a baseball bat and they're like, <laughs> I should do this next to your game shelf. And I'm like, you, you should probably not. You know, <laughs> let's rethink this. <laughs> But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about doing my, uh, my game room update, and I'm really glad yours is going well. Yeah, it'll be good. We, uh, we just need to get to the end of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and you're in the final stages. Again, my neighbor across the street's doing the same thing, and he's down to – he wanted some specific – you know, he actually made a smart decision. He wanted wider stairs going down to his basement. Uh, but that means that you can't use a stair company that built the house. And that means that you have to go get custom stairs. And that means you have to go get custom banisters. And he's now down to spindles on banisters and where to acquire these. And it looks like he's losing his mind. And every day I'm like patting him on the back like, it's going to be all right, man. <laughs> That's where you just go, oh, I shouldn't have done this. I have made a terrible mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. 
(laughs) Updating the home in any way, shape, or form is probably a waste of money. (laughs) So it's been it's been about a month since we have. I think it's been about a month. Um, Sorry, it's it's just end of the year is crazy with school and all that. So um, I don't know. This is our life now with the show. You just you're used to it. We show up when we show up, and everybody's happy. I okay. think everyone's happy. I, I think that's yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah. We show up when we show up, and who shows up shows up, and just this is it. So we know. plow through. Yeah. We've promised nothing less. We've promised nothing more. Um, we're here. But man, there have been some big games that have come out since the last time we talked. God. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm, I'm so into both. That I don't even know Yo. what to do with myself anymore. Like, it's not going to be a show where we talk about one and then the other. It's kind of both at the same time. <laughs> yes. But I feel like we have to start with Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. That's, God, I, I'm blown away by how changing a couple things about that game makes it a completely different game. 100%. And I actually had a really weird um, experience with this game at the beginning where I kind of dove into it and I... I wasn't liking it. I don't know if you guys remember that where it's like I'm not getting that same zip that I was from Breath of the Wild. Where Breath of the Wild from the, the the word go, I was balls deep and I just couldn't put it down. And this one I went back into I'm like this is what do I do? What where do I what's going on? Like I just felt like there was nothing there. I'm definitely on the on the island where they have you do a bunch of trials like before you get started I was in that mode of like oh this game can die like I don't like those hand-holding exercises I really don't until like magically they give you this item that allowed you to move stuff around and I was totally hooked yeah right like the building mechanic is just amazing oh and some of the stuff that people are coming up with is is just wild but that intro (laughs) that intro island is massive compared to the grand great plateau of breath of the wild sure it's just enormous and there were people that were spending hours on it i couldn't wait to get off of it yeah i kept trying not to fall off of it i kept thinking like oh i'm just gonna fall down here and be fucked for this game you know like because they they've done that kind of stuff in zeldas before where like oh by the way you just didn't get this key item so you're just gonna fall off this cliff and die yep yep Um, toast but i I was blown away from the second that I put my first two blocks together, like how easy that was, how seamless it was to get them to turn around and spend and lock and all that stuff. Um, and again, I, I, it's one little change, but it's one little change that heavily impacts that game. It took me a while to wrap my head around the controls again, to be honest, because they're not sure. super intuitive. You because know, just, you didn't read the instructions as they popped up on screen. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't. But you know, like pressing B to run and then X to jump. It's, it's yeah, not, that was a little jarring. It's not easy. Um, but yeah, you're right. the The building mechanic is phenomenal. Where where it just it just works. And there was a report that came out where it the game was delayed almost a full year, and that full year was just spent polishing and making sure that shit just works i imagine the people that tested this game too are just small shriveled husks of people now because like can you imagine trying to test a game where like you can literally go anywhere if you build a big enough bridge yeah i 
I don't know how to better explain that. Like, and there's opportunity to do that in lots of different places. Well, there are um, so many things that I've I've actually just cheesed it because like I don't want to figure out how to get up there. Chop down twenty trees, connect them into just this stick bridge, and just lay it over there. I'm just gonna walk up there. Yeah. Well, I remember, and this is kind of spoilery, so if you don't like it, suck it up. Um, but <laughs> um, I one of my things to do was to get back in the, the sort of main Zelda castle when I was uh, pretty early on in the game, actually, yep. so right after I came off Trial Island. And I figured out if I built a long enough bridge out underneath it, I could use the uh, Phantom Climb ability to climb up to the floor. Yep. And, like, again, I think about testing that game. And how insane that must have been going like, oh, yeah, just at any point, anybody can do anything, but make sure it works. Right. Right. Like that's. <laughs> well, you think about when Oblivion, well, just Bethesda in general, when they're making these big games, like how the questing structure has to be, because how many bugs popped up where it's like, oh, shoot, we forgot to account where if you had these three quests done, but not this one and you had this item and not that one, then this door wouldn't unlock. It's like, how do you. How do you even account I don't know. for all of that? But, you know, hey, props to them because it all seems to work. And even when something's probably not supposed to work, it's neat that it still works. Yeah. Well, right? I think like <laughs> the when we were originally watching the final reveal trailer with the gameplay where they were showing off all the, the, the cool new abilities. I saw the ascend feature. I'm like, well, that that kind of defeats the purpose of exploring things but holy shit i think that's one of the best inclusions of any open world game ever yeah because you're going into a ton of caves who the hell wants to backtrack out i'm just going to teleport through this mountain yeah fuck it <laughs> see where this goes yeah and I, i've I, teleported into some weird shit man oh like, yeah it's okay but it feels so good when you do it that just the sense of like hey i'm not stuck here anymore yeah is amazing I think the one that I utilize the least is the rewind feature. I do utilize uh, time, uh, and I'll tell you why, because I'm not particularly... So in Zelda, you get uh, basically two main stats to update. It's health and stamina. Mm. Um, and for whatever reason, this game around, I went full stamina. So I had like two full bars of stamina, and I had four hearts or something ridiculous like that for a long time. Um, and so I use the time ability to fight big things that I shouldn't be fighting on my own, like yeah. the, uh, you know, the walking forts and the big uh, Genoshes or whatever they are. Um, but, yeah, that's the only reason I use it. Well, yeah, because you can build like a big stick with a, a boulder on the end and spin it around and then rewind it so it spins on its own and hits the guy. Yeah. Uh, One, two, like even like the I can't remember their names, but the, the big walking rock forts. Talus, um, like, huh? Aren't they the talus? Yeah, the talus. Um, they have a habit of throwing rocks at you, and when mm. you grab that rock midair and make it fly back at them, it does like fifty percent damage. Oh, I didn't think <laughs> about doing that. <laughs> you have to be quick to do it, but I yeah. mean, like, you can take those down in two or three shots. So well, the, I, again, but again, the freedom to do that's pretty amazing. So, the, to build stuff, you can go to these these. I don't, I don't remember what they're called. You collect these zonide shards and then you drop them into this machine that drops out these little bubbles and there's a whole bunch of different things that you can build or put together or whatever. And one of my favorites are the glider. So if I jump off of a, a really tall structure and I want to fly a long way and I'm running out of stamina with my paraglider, you can kind of like look down and then drop one of those gliders in front of you 
and then land on it to recharge your stamina and then like float with the glider and then jump off and keep going. Like it's just a way to sort of infinitely, you know, you can build your airplane while you're flying it essentially. Yeah. You can bunny hop your way across the world. Well, and, and two, like I, I remember, I won't spoil anything, but I found one of the dragons really super early on. Um, and it wasn't something that I could get to, uh, from where I was. So I learned to fly, build a glider in midair and then, you float alongside of it until I could get on top of it. Yeah. And like, again, that's just not something I've ever done in a game um, where, you know, it's pretty linear. The game itself. I, I've, I found, I think four or five bosses so far. Um, and they're all within the, they're, they're on a very linear path. I'll just put it like that. And you see all this other stuff. It's kind of, uh, you know, a great open world once again. Um, but, that kind of freedom in a linear game like that is a little bit scary. I mean, like I hopped my very first boss in that game was uh, the Rito village one. Mm-hmm. And I learned later that like, nobody does that first, which like, I wish I would th- have. Yeah. <laughs> because the, so when you beat the, the boss, you go to each of these areas and then each area has a sage. And once you beat that area, the sage joins your party as like a phantom and you get to continually use their ability. So by the end of the game, you have you and four other people running around, and they're helping you fight. But the Rito one, when you're flying, they'll give you an extra gust of wind to push you further. It's like that. I had I didn't get that till 45 hours into the game. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's got moments uh, of absolute excellence. Like the I I won't spoil anything for you, but the Rito boss fight arena is amazing. Like, because it's it's one of those that you just have to keep going up and up and up and up and up. And the sense of scale to it all is incredible. Yeah, I liked that uh, boss. And then you, I'm sorry? I liked that boss a lot. Yeah. That one well, was really And it really wasn't just neat. the boss. Like, the boss itself was amazing, but getting to the boss was really fun. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, like, I am never going to reach the top of this. It took me, like, an hour and a half to get to the top of it. And I, by the time I got there, I was like, yes! <laughs> what I will say is that for as phenomenal as this game is, it has also entered the pantheon of one of my least favorite Zelda moments in any Zelda game, and that is the Fire Temple. Uh, sure. It is quite literally... And I, I'd love to hear if anybody feels differently about this, but for me, it is up there with the N64 Zora Water Temple. Oh, yeah, it's just tedious and kind of like, where do I go? What do I do? (laughs) Like, thank God the features were in this game where you could cheese it because I was I brewed a bunch of stamina elixirs so I could just climb the walls of shit and like sort of what's neat is when you're climbing a wall, you can find a spot that you can sort of rest on. You know, you're not really supposed to. But if you rest on it and you kind of like run a little bit without going too far to catch the wall, your stamina will regen. But sometimes you can catch a point where you can use your ascend feature. It's like, oh, great. I'm just going to teleport into the room above me. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to figure out this <laughs> intricate connection of minecart tracks and like fuse minecarts onto them with fans and figure out how to hit these switches as you're driving by and jump from one cart to the next. And just fuck that. It was so poorly designed. And maybe I was just looking at it the wrong way. But I hated that temple and could not wait to be done with it. Yeah, I feel like 
maybe that's on purpose though like i i do feel like that game sort of breaks the fourth wall in terms of what zelda developers are trying to say maybe they make a dungeon that yeah you can do it by solving all the puzzles but this one we're gonna make super tedious and absolute shit because you were supposed to you know try to ascend through a wall and i mean i definitely felt that way with some of the uh the little temple puzzles that popped up where you know like oh you're supposed to take this ball that falls from a you know, from a big stupid device and then it rolls down and it's supposed to be like a pinball and you're supposed to hit this target with it. And I just fucking picked up the ball and blew it into the thing with like a bomb arrow <laughs> and it felt so good. <laughs> yeah, it's I haven't done as many of the dungeons as probably I should have. I think maybe 25, 30. No, I've probably done 40 of them, but. I was 60 hours into the game and I stumbled back into one of the tutorial dungeons. It's like, here's how you throw an item. Like, oh, yeah, I awesome. that would have been good to know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> thanks. What I think is really cool about this, too. I was initially kind of disappointed that they were just straight up reutilizing the Breath of the Wild map. There are some key changes to it. But what's fantastic is that it's actually two and a half full maps because you've got the sky map. But then you've also got the underground chasms, which is yeah. essentially the entirety of the map underneath it. And there's it, you drop in and it's it's just pitch black and you have to find these things called light roots that light up small sections. And the enemies down there are really difficult. There's this stuff called gloom. Um, just traversing through it's really difficult. But what's cool is that everywhere that there's a shrine there's a light root directly below it. So the light root name is the shrine name backwards. So yep. put that together. It's it's kind of neat. So if you need to know where a light root is, like find a shrine on the map and be like, oh, okay, I'll just go there. Well, and I think too, like, I don't know about you. I have a hard time um, hitting those light roots because I kind of have fun exploring in the dark. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you why, because I made a car really early on that has, um, I think it's like glowworms for, or not glowworms, but a glow root specifically for headlights. And I just lit up the car with those. And now yep. every time I go down there, I drop one of those and just drive around for an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Can, how much? Can I tell you about the battery system real quick? Yeah. And how I didn't know you could expand it. So I, a lot of that game just waiting for my three little bolts of battery to recharge. <laughs> oh my God. I had no idea you could expand those, um, and you should, and early on. <laughs> it is a bit of a chore to farm the Zonai required for that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to go down into the depths, and it takes 100 Zonai charges to convert. No, it takes 100 crystallized charges, but it's only a 3 to 1 ratio, so you need... 300 zonai charges to get 100 crystallized charges to get one battery cell and you can get was it 3 6 9 12 15 18 21 you can get like 28 charges it's wild yeah it, it's easier if you go down to the like the old mine sections of the underground world and just sit there at one of the mines for an hour and a half and keep knocking down the walls but god it is tedious yeah so what I've done is I found a spot where there's a bunch of a bunch of those zonai crystals that you can um, you can farm, and I just go underneath, I go underground, and I put a, a marker on the map with a little crystal on it. Went, oh, 
come back to this. <laughs> yeah, and that game does get a lot easier to play. I'm not going to say fun, but a lot easier to play once you get the Master Sword uh, back. And that's, again, just because it doesn't break all that often. I don't mind the breakable weapons in this game because some of them are really silly and really powerful. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. I have not found the Master Sword yet. Uh, yeah, Is that in the Korok Forest? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is. That's a way to get to it. So I got to last night. I got to the um, Cork Forest where you have to go down below and then like use your ascend ability to go up into the middle of it. And I found yep. the Deku tree and all of that. But I haven't gotten to where the actual Master Sword is yet. He'll actually show you. Oh, it, OK. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah, it's not hard. Um, it is kind of a chore to get to where it is, but it's definitely not. Uh, it's not a thing you're going to expect. <laughs> Does it break? No. Okay. Sort of. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Can you fuse things to it and then the fused things break? Oh, uh, the sword itself. Yes, you can fuse stuff to it, and I highly suggest that you do. Okay. There, there's one item in that game, and I cannot remember the name of it, uh, that I've used to take down, like, Lynels. Oh, in wow. Six or eight shots. So I actually have a confession to make. Sure. Um, I didn't utilize any of the item duplication glitches. I tried. Even the even the dummy proof one that everyone's like hundred percent success rate. Couldn't yeah. even get it once. Couldn't couldn't figure it. The what the paraglider one where you jump off. Couldn't get yeah. it. Yeah. Where you jump off the uh, surfing shield. No, the one where you just jump off a cliff, hit the paraglider, go into your menu, ah. and then like select an item you want to dupe and then select one that you have more of and drop them. I couldn't figure I couldn't get it to work, so I don't know. But what I did do was thought about when Breath of the Wild was out, we had a bunch of opened Amiibos, one of my buddies and I that we were playing with. And we would just every day just hand the Amiibos back and forth and just get all this shit. Like when I ended that game, I had thousands of food items and more weapons and shields that I knew what to do with. Well, I only have like me personally, I only have like three opened Amiibos and only one of which is Zelda. It's the original Link. So I was getting like the cool, you know, trousers of time, hat of time, you know, tunic of time and all of that. Sure. But I want more. How do I do this? <laughs> so I fell into a rabbit hole again. How oh, do God. I? <laughs> well, um, Andrew Thorson posted something on our, our Facebook group about Amiibo cards that he had made. Like, oh, shit. I forgot. Amiibos are just NFC technology. So I'm sitting there. How can I spoof an Amiibo? Can I spoof it with my phone? Because your phone has NFC. Can I just, is like an app where you can just like, I want this Amiibo, and then it just near NFCs it through your phone. Well, that Wouldn't that, that be glorious? <laughs> that doesn't work. I don't understand why somebody hasn't figured that out yet. So what I decided to do is I went on Amazon and I bought 50 NFC stickers for like 16 bucks. And then there's an app called Amiibox where you yep. can upload the bin files for all of the amiibos so i grabbed every zelda amiibo and then i scanned it and created a sticker for each one of them just wrote up they're the most hideously ugly things ever like i should be using my glowforge to make something really cool and put these stickers in there and make it really neat <laughs> i don't give a shit it's a sticker on a piece of paper that i hold over the controller and shit pops into my game like i love it it's, now it, you just need to make it vertical and, and like 3D print a little thing so you can just ding, 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 oh, ding, ding. Oh, God. <laughs> Damn it. There goes my afternoon. 
So it's if it's there's cool. a way to I waste mean, time and money, come see me. Yeah, we got it figured <laughs> out. Um, it's great though. I have so much food. I have way more food than I know what to do with. Ninety uh, percent of the time, just shit weapons pop out. But I've gotten some cool gear out of it. Uh, yeah. Have you upgraded your weapon space a lot? I didn't start doing that until two days ago because I only had oh like my God. 40 What a lifesaver seeds. that shit is. Like, <laughs> I found the one guy. I found him out in the field somewhere and then he went to the town and then he disappeared on me for like six months. <laughs> I swear to God, I never saw him again. And then uh, he popped up one day and I, I cashed in something like 60 seeds. That's wild. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. I, I think that game lives in the space where people are just like I don't understand people who speed ran that game uh, because it's really not meant for that it's meant for people to go through and sort of cherish and 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 harmonize with every possible like experience and moment like the moment where you know just some shit falls out of the sky and then right. you stand on it and reverse it and then it takes you to a new temple in the sky where there's a half an hour worth of adventure um, and it's god it's got so many moments like that or just like diving down into the bottom of it is amazing. You know, I'm I'm concerned because I'm I'm nearing the end of the game. Like I've 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 got all the sages. I did the first boss fight in Hyrule Castle, and now it's like, oh, you got to find, you know, the next. I'm not going to say what it is, but you got to find this. And I don't know where to find it, but that's fine because I'll eventually get it. But I'm I'm concerned because once I end that game, I'm done. Yeah, I get it. I just, I, same thing I, I happened like, with me with Breath of the Wild. I just couldn't go back. Well, and it's Zelda, right? So you know what's going to happen at the end. I don't know that I would do that unless you've just got tons of other stuff to play. For me, I'm going to put that game on my, you know, play casually as you go list. Right. <laughs> and just keep playing it um, because I don't, I'm not ready to let go of that world yet. And I'm kind of the same way. Like I rolled credits, eh, it's over. Like that's, you know, I can get a bunch of stuff to make it much easier but I want to see a lot more of that game. I've already gotten stuff like down in the, the dungeon or the, the underworld, I guess, where like I've already bought like the Dark Link set. And I oh. look at that and I'm like, yeah, I need to keep going because this game has a lot more to offer. I just the thing that I'm going to fall into is I want to upgrade the armor sets. And because I got the barbarian set, which increases your attack power, but you need these nice. really specific items to continue to upgrade. I finally unlocked all the the giant fairies which are neat but i don't want to have to farm stuff like as soon as i have to start to farm things that's when i lose a little bit of interest and it's like, sure, hey, sure maybe i, I should it. start duping these items but i love playing with the the mechanics of building stuff you know you find these corks every time you go to a stable there's a cork lane i was like i need to find my friend and they give you this goofy <laughs> stuff to try to figure out how to get over there nine times out of ten i pull a rocket out and I strap him to the rocket, and I angle it, just, and hit it, and he just, just goes... fire him, here. But then I discovered, well, now I gotta go find him. Because who knows I, where that rocket went. I like when they put in the game an item that I'm clearly not going to use, and I try and figure out how to reuse it. Like, half of the stables also have, you know, like, I got... Um, so you turn in stable coins this time around. It's just something free that they give you. Um, and one of the things that they give you first is a cart for any horse that you picked up. And every Korok has a cart next to it. So it's obvious they didn't want you to put like the cart and the horse and then take the Korok over there. Uh, but I'm never going to do that. So I try and invent like weird flying contraptions that take the cart into whole new levels of speed into space. <laughs> Drop 40 rockets attached to cart. Fire. <laughs> 
I've always found goofy ways to get that traveling musician group to stupid places. Yeah. And just they wanted me to to build a, a cart to carry them that had a roof. It's like, all right, if you want a roof, I built a fucking house on top of their cart. And the thing was so unstable. Every time we go around a corner, <laughs> tip over and they would fall out. And like, ah, I'd have to start over and rebuild the house. It's like I'm oh, determined man. to get you to the Great Ferry with a house for a roof on your cart. Just dumb stuff. Good times. I've yeah. I've I have definitely built some items that have undermined the difficulty of that game, <laughs> like things that kill bosses and stuff like that. Yeah. But my favorite is has to just be like it was a rolling outhouse on wheels and I put a Korok in it and I took him like nine hundred miles to his friend. And at the end of that adventure <laughs> I just felt like I had conquered the world. <laughs> like <laughs> Because my fucking Korok kept falling out, so I eventually just built like a box with a door on it. I'm like, wow, I built this Korok and outhouse on wheels. <laughs> did you know you can just fuse the Koroks to things? Yeah, yeah, I did. But I oh. kept like, I kept getting into a point where I would go around a corner and there'd be a bunch of enemies, and then they would just destroy whatever I was carrying, and then I had to carry it with move from there on. And I've I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've I've carried him with move quite a few times. Oh god, yeah. Th- there's not really. It's funny because this game does mirror uh, Breath of the Wild a lot, but not a lot of the enemies are going to work the same that you're yeah. used to in Breath of the Wild. Um, and then there's new enemies, which just suck dick. Uh, like the hands that pop up. Have you seen those yet? Oh, yeah, the gloom hands. Yeah, the gloom hands suck. <laughs> yeah, not a fan of those guys. <laughs> the Lynels are still there. The big orcs are still there. There's a bunch of new enemies in the underworld that I won't tell you about, but are very good. I haven't fought any of the Lynels yet, just because I don't want to. I want yeah. the Majora's mask mask, but you have to fight five Lynels followed by an armored Lynel to get that. Ugh, no. Like, no. 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 I'll be okay. <laughs> Can I just get that from an amiibo like I have in every other Zelda game? <laughs> I think you probably can, which is why I'll just keep scanning that. Maybe I'll just take the other 40 that I have or the other 30 that I have and just make all Majora's Mask Amiibos because you can only scan each Amiibo once a day. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's rough. I did hear, and this is interesting, so they're going to make two more Zelda Amiibos for this generation, but they already have the numbers for those, um, so you can unlock their unlock already. Oh, by just grabbing the bin file? Yep. So I'm, oh I'm interested in those. And there's going to be a, I think it's a Ganon and a Zelda, um, which is, you know, appropriate. That I don't think that's a too big a spoiler for anybody. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. That game is great. It's fantastic. Um, it's and so anybody who's told you anything about like the graphics not being there or it looking like a six-year-old game, like don't listen to them. That game's striking. Yeah. I, I don't have anything overly bad to say about it and there's nothing that we can continue to say that we haven't already said before but it's just through and through a phenomenal experience um how yeah. they got that thing running on that console is a miracle yeah well i mean yes it is because <laughs> if you had told me six years ago with the current soc and like that phone and said like hey the greatest game of all time is going to be put on this i would have argued with you and said like i don't think so but no. it's it's up there i don't i don't know if it's my favorite game of all time yet but it's definitely up there. Yeah, we're close. We are close. I I don't think it'll go down in the annals of my favorite Zelda game ever, but it's definitely usurped Breath of the Wild because it's essentially Breath of the Wild with upgrades. Yeah. 
Which, it's interesting that you said that, because there was something in this game that I remember playing, and I remember seeing that specifically in A Link Between Worlds. Um, and I was like, ooh, I need to go play that again. <laughs> oh, I love that game. Yeah. And there was, you know, there's obviously lots of references to old games uh, in this one. So, like, yeah, A Link to the Past is definitely on my list again. And uh, Link's Adventure is definitely on my list again. No, that game should never be on anybody's list ever because it's not good. <laughs> it is not a good game. Um, but you know it is a good game. Go ahead. <laughs> it's Diablo. Oh, God, yes. When it works. <laughs> can we'll we, can we talk about that. Diablo when it works? Yes, let's talk about Diablo when it works. Diablo when it works is a fine game. And and I would dare say, and I'm not that far into it yet, so... But of what I've played, it is an incredible effort and everything I wanted out of Diablo 3 when it works. Yeah. How about you, Eric? When it works, when is Diablo at its best? <laughs> Diablo is at its best when it works. Um, but ARPGs are one of my favorites next to regular RPGs. They, there's something about an ARPG that just tickles me in all the right places. And I have such fond memories of Diablo. I don't think Diablo is the best ARPG. However, I think they are the gold standard, as they should be, because whenever they set out to do something, they do it right, except yeah. launch a game. Um, once the game is launched and it works, like Diablo's great, because they just know what to what to do and how to make it work. Um, well, I don't, I'll expand on that. I think you're right. I think it expands. It's like a generational reset when a Diablo game comes out. And we should expect the same basic types of control systems, battle systems, inventory management out of every other game that will launch in the next five years based on Diablo. How about that? Yes. And I think that Diablo understands that not every game needs to be a revolution because this yeah, game, this game isn't and it doesn't need to be. The ARPG genre is is a pretty well refined machine by this point. Yeah, we had... Um, the early days of ARPGs with the original Diablo and then Baldur's Gate, you saw two stark paths. One was straight action RPG. The other was more D&D style behind the scenes dice rolling, which it's it's great, but that's more focused on story where Diablo is more focused on the action and the combat and the skills and the enemies and the hordes and the chaos of it. You couldn't play a game like this with the rule set and mechanics of Baldur's Gate. Not Dark Alliance, but just the, the original Baldur's Gate PC. That's not how it's designed. That's more strategic. That's more story-driven. You're in that world to be part of the world. You're in this world to kill shit. And you kill a lot of shit. And I think... And you kill shit good. Yes. And I think... <laughs> I didn't know what to expect going into this. Because for the past few years, I've been playing Grim Dawn. And Grim Dawn is excellent. That game... It's an absolute travesty that that game didn't really get the recognition that it deserved. It never made it to consoles. Had I had that game made it to consoles, I think that 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 franchise would have blown up because it does everything perfectly. And I think that they are kind of a, a love letter to ARPGs where they say, all right, we're going to really be aggressive with this. We're really going to go all out. And we're going to make a game that just takes all the best parts of every RPG that's ever been created and mash it into one. Whereas Diablo says, okay, we found our formula. 
and we're just going to continue tweaking it ever so slightly. It's like making a good spaghetti sauce. You know, you're tasting it as you go. It's like, it needs a little bit more of, of, of this. Like, we're just going to just put a dash of it in. It's not going to make a big change, but it's a slight enough change where you notice it and you're like, that's better. I I, I believe in it. Uh, and, and again, like, Grim Dawn was a really good experience, but I, I'm always going to say, like, I need it to be a little more Diablo-like in its simplicity, right? Like, that's where I think Diablo catches... Uh, my interest because it's simple i can pick it up and play it it's got a strategy element to it but that shit's not that deep uh like upgrading weapons right like can can you describe in grim dawn what picking up weapons is like and just loot in general mess it's everywhere (laughs) you're constantly in your menu looking at like what's better do i want this do i want that it's it's great because that's that's what I love about it. ARPGs. Like, I've got all this shit, and then what do I do with it? And we're gonna sell it. Should I give it to my buddy that I'm with because it's his class and I can't use it? No, sell it. Yep. Yeah. But, but this, I, I like Diablo's simplicity when it comes to like the loot structure and all that. Well, in this um, one too, you just like automatically pick up gold. You don't have to click on that yeah. shit anymore. Uh, and I'm items. glad you can fucking automatically pick up items because I couldn't figure out how to like. I couldn't figure out how to manage my inventory in Diablo 3 by the end of it because you literally picked up everything. Can you set it to auto pick up in this one everything? No. I have it so it doesn't pick up the items. I have to click them. I will say one thing that I think is a... And I don't remember if this is how it was in Diablo 3. And if it was, then I'm I'm mistaken. But one thing I think is a step backwards is you only get four potions. Yeah. And it drives me crazy because I used to just have half of my inventory stocked with potions. So I could go into a battle and just be hammering the health button no matter what. Now you kind of have to be a little bit more strategic about it. And the enemies do drop health potions quite frequently, even in the boss battles. But it just makes it a bit more tense. And I'm not I'm not used to that. But back to where I think that I wasn't ready for the improvement was just how clean this game looks. Because Yeah, and runs for the most part, too. ARPGs are they're isometric and at some point you kind of reach the peak of well, how much how much better can you really make this look I mean you're looking down on top of these people but the best comparison I can come to is you played Moss on PSVR right yeah this game is kind of like that it's like you're looking into a diorama that's yeah really, oh yeah I agree really highly detailed and I was thinking about this last night where I, I, I walked into just a random dungeon killed a couple people and i was walking out and it was it was actually like an underground cellar that had five rooms and you just the main path takes you into the main room but there's three or four offshoot rooms and i just i just happened to like meander into those offshoot rooms and they're so intricately like laid out and designed and put together and i stopped and thought about it's like there were people that put that shit there knowing that (laughs) 99 percent of players will never see that oh yeah yeah, and like even in the the main dungeons in that game, there were two two of them that I went into where it was pretty linear. You know, you went in and you followed a straight path to the boss, and the boss told you to fuck off, and you came back later and fought it. Uh, but where there were offshoots, but those offshoots led to, I mean, giant areas. Yeah. Um, and just you know, there would be a little challenge here or a time thing over there. Uh, but man, I, again, like I applaud the Diablo art team. I applaud their production design uh, because it's all just so clean. And, and like Eric said, like sections of the game that you're not even supposed to see, they built that tile specifically. So someone that wandered in there would see it. It's crazy. 
Yeah. Oh, can we talk about Lilith? Oh, yeah. Oh, great like, antagonist. She does things to me. I, I imagine the way that I feel about like <laughs> Lilith is how Tom fell about, felt about Lady Damascue or whatever the hell her name was from Resident <laughs> Evil 8. I don't yeah. know why, but there was... I got to a point yesterday where... Have you met uh, Doran yet? I don't remember. It's like the I've met tons of people. I I mostly play that game with the sound off. I hate to admit to you. <laughs> so there was a there, there was a cut scene where you walk into Doran's study, and then it kind of like does this really cool flip into where he's at his desk, and then he look he's he's tired and he looks up, and there's this gate to hell that had opened up, and just in it like really faint, really sultry voice, you just hear "Grant me entrance," and like the way that she's just like "Grant me entrance," like just like <laughs> "Whoo, buddy, wow." <laughs> Like, yeah, you can come on in, you know, open the gates of hell. Come on. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Where's the sealed door? I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get I'll, it. I'll take uh, it. No, but I thought it, like her even her introduction to that game that's been out for, what, two years. I watched the intro of this game and it's just that. And it's still really fucking impressive yeah. to see what, you know, a bunch of really talented art guys can do and their conception of like how you would summon a demon from hell. Yeah. So I'm I'm blown away. Every Blizzard, step, the live action stuff, the cinema stuff, like I'm Blizzard hooked. always does really well with their cutscenes, and the opening cutscene for this game, so good. Yeah, they like they well, just need to do a CG Diablo movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, and combine all three of them, <laughs> or all yes. four of them now, yes. uh, because they tell a really interesting set of stories. Yep. Um. It. It's. It's sad where you know you're not going to see like deckard kane or tristram and all that stuff again but i mean maybe you do i don't know i'm not far enough into it but I'm not gonna tell you that <laughs> i love how level are you i'm only like 16 okay yeah all right so you're you're following along in the footsteps that's good yeah it's it's one of those where i really only get a chance to play it later at night and by that time time i'm kind of like burned out of the day and yeah I oh I know like I play that game and I play it because if I if I sit there and I try and play it seriously and get through the story as quickly as I can I'll miss some of the you know like the side quest and definitely a lot of the little challenge areas uh, and I don't want to do that I want to play this one through to completion so I'm playing it but I played it for 15 minutes before I was like you know I should put the world on tier two uh, oh and you that, started on tier one yeah I did and then I was like oh I should bump up the difficulty uh, and then it became very apparent that my class was not suited for solo play <laughs> until it was at like level 10 or something like what that. did you but, go yeah. what did you pick so I'm a necromancer in oh, that game I thought about that but I went I went sorcerer I I just love magic in games now I used to always just go tank barbarian go you know glass cannon build where I hit really hard but if you manage to hit me I'm gonna die yeah oh yeah I played the barbarian all the way through Diablo 4. Uh, and I even Three. took him up through you know, multiple paragons and I never got sick of him. But this time I was like, you know what? I need to start with something else and try it because yeah. I'll get hooked on Barbarian and that'll be it. <laughs> I'll never play anything else. I discovered the chain lightning build for Sorcerer and it's just unreal because nice. it just shoots out chains of lightning and bounces between enemies. You can walk into a horde and most of them are dead before they even make it to you. Yep. But I am one level away from being able to unlock what i hope is going to be my uh my end game spell and that's the the meteor where it just calls down a meteor just has a huge aoe effect when i play these games i dump all points into one skill it's like that's all i want so grim oh, yeah. dawn grim dawn there is no cap <laughs> on the amount of times you can 
put shit into, at least that I found, into a skill. So I would have sky shards, and it would just call down more and more meteors. You just walk into an area, just, everybody would yep. die. That's all I want. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm the class that is probably least able to solo by himself, but I found that there is the bone army, <laughs> and the bone army just keeps summoning uh, like a thousand skeletons at a time, and oh I just walk through levels. Like half the time, it also shit's dead before I get there. I have a I have a love hate relationship with uh, Diablo multiplayer, at least on the first playthrough. I've got a, a buddy that sure. he's like, "Hey, let me know when you get Diablo. I really want to play through it together." Like, yeah, that'd be great. But the minute that you, there's any sort of disparity between like where you're at in the story, I don't want to play through at somebody else's pace. I want to yeah. be able to p- play at my pace. If you want to join my world and like follow along with me, awesome. But if you're two acts ahead of me, yeah, that doesn't yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. help me. So I usually reserve um, multiplayer stuff until I've beaten the game. It's like, all right, now let's yeah. go. Well, and two, like I I do feel that way because you're already playing in a multiplayer game, right? Like that's that's what this game is, is it starts you off on a server and there's, you know, eight or ten players on your server and occasionally you run past them. And I find when I run past the the guys that are like level, you know, 60 and 70, I get killed by their enemies looking at me. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) and this game has an auto leveling system that just sucks sometimes. (laughs) I have been saved by other players who've come in where I've been in some of those challenge areas and I've been not struggling, but just kind of getting my butt tossed around by some of the bosses and they come in and go and kill them. Yeah. I'm like, all right, here we go. Thanks. Appreciate it. But yeah, I, I, again, I'm not terribly far into it. I've probably got six or eight hours into it, oh, I'm not uh, even but that I would far. say buy it because it's just a great game. Um, and again, another game that I will likely pick up is digital once it comes out. Um, Specific and gets cheaper specifically because I don't want to be flopping a disc in and out for this all the time. Yeah. Um, and I will play it forever. Like this is a game that I will pick up, play, keep playing. I was still playing um, the last Doom on the Switch forever. Diablo three, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Or Ashes it, or Resurrection or whatever it was. But I yeah, never played was... any of the DLC for Diablo three. So oh, and oh, was so good. you're right. Diablo is one of those games where it just. It's a good palate cleanser because it doesn't require a ton of thought. No. You just go into a horde. You smash some buttons. My brother-in-law was in town a couple months ago, and, and we just popped in Diablo 3. And before we knew it, we were four hours into it. Yeah. Just oh, multiplayer yeah, especially smashing once you're at the people. end game. Like, yes, just keep yeah. throwing stuff at it. And because it's procedurally generated, that can really help um, just kind of the, the keep the, the spice alive uh it because it keeps you going and it keeps you guessing where you're going did and you I, hear about the travesty that happened to the very first character that maxed out oh in, yeah yeah in yeah hardcore where, nightmare mode yeah where he so couldn't, he couldn't play anymore <laughs> well what happened was they they said the first it was, maybe it was the first 250 people or whatever that made it to this level we're going to get their names engraved on an actual Lilith statue at Blizzard headquarters or whatever. So nice. this guy became the first person to hit it. And uh, he, he, you had to play on hardcore mode, which is permadeath, meaning if you die, your character gets deleted. And he was going through all these nightmare dungeons on insane mode difficulty, just wrecking face. But he died in the most unglorious way possible. His game <laughs> lost connection. 
And when you lose connection, they treat it as a death. So, first of all, it's impressive because I've disconnected a few times. But the fact that he made it to that level on Nightmare and not had a single disconnect, you know, it's kind of a a fitting end to a hero. But he was well into. Let's face it, there weren't as many people playing Diablo before last week. <laughs> he should. Those are things where I think like Blizzard should make an exception because he was streaming it. You could clearly see he was just. I don't know if he was in a town, but he wasn't fighting or anything. He just disconnected, and it's like, okay, surely you guys can go in and be like, eh, let's just undo that. Yeah, but that's setting a dangerous precedent. Oh, yeah, because you'll be doing that shit for everybody. Everybody will have a story. Then they'll figure out a way to foe it and make it look like you didn't die. Yeah. So I'm I'm I I, I guess I get it. I just don't like it. Yeah, I've never been. A fan <laughs> I also of don't like when Diablo Diablo doesn't work. <laughs> and Diablo has not worked for me two days out of three this week. Somebody in our group. I don't I don't remember. I think it was maybe Nolan Detman was saying about he was coming into some rubber banding issues where you'd be walking forward and then you kind of like bounce back. I had that last night finally, and I discovered it's because I was playing on Wi-Fi. Soon as I plugged my Ethernet cable in, disappeared. Yeah, I, I those are just Diablo things. Yeah, you know, like server disconnects. Mine last night because uh, I meant to get on and play with you for a little bit, uh, but I fell asleep. Yeah, but I woke up <laughs> and you were still on, and I went to connect to the server, and it told me I had seventy minutes in the queue. Oh my uh, god! And and that number kept climbing as I was sitting there. So I was like, nah, fuck it. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to bed. <laughs> yeah. When Diablo 3 launched, I was trying to play with the Mana Tank crew and none of us were able to get on for three days. Ugh. I can't. I, I Again, like I know these things happen, but you at Blizzard have to be ready for those things a lot faster than I think they have been. And they have been, you know, God love them. They've been releasing. I've gotten three patches in three days. Um, so I think they are working at issues, but it just seems like every time either that or the World of Warcraft launches, like all of Blizzard servers across all their games die. Yeah. that That's the <laughs> thing that I don't like, too, is that you have to be online to play this game. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah. I don't like that because it means that some point down the road. Want to be able to not going to be able to play it anymore. Yeah. Although I do feel like they've done a good job with the single player kind of separating you. I remember in Diablo, was it two? Where no, maybe it was three. Where at the first week, like there were certain quests that you had to be partnered up to take on, um, and then later they released it so like there'd be an NPC that showed up and fought alongside of you if you didn't have a person with you. So I thought that was okay. Yeah. I hope they'll get this one into that state. But you know, I'm still not buying games digitally. Yep. Um, unless they're a backup for another game, because I specifically want to own my games. I think uh, that we are going to be a dying breed, and I would probably, yeah. within our you know next foreseeable short lifetime here, we'll see digital Switch only. Yeah. Well, you know, there's that new Spider-Man collection game that I really want to buy, but it doesn't come with a physical disc. <laughs> and I get all up in my feelings about that, because I very much want the Venom statue. Uh, but I don't like supporting games like that. I, I really don't. Um, when I buy them, I tend to buy two copies. Yeah. And because I want to play one, um, and I do want to keep my collector's edition together, so I'll probably never take it apart, but it pisses me off there's not a disc in there. Yep. Same thing with uh, the, the was it, the Jotnar edition of God of War? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No game. If I'm giving you $300, well, the least you can do is give me a digital file. Yeah, it's a disc. It cost me fifty cents Sorry, physical, to print yeah. a disc. Yeah, give me a and physical disc. And I'm nobody. Disc. It probably you probably make money printing discs. 
Uh, oh, yeah. But it is the push for the digital future, and I abhor that. I don't like it. I, again, there will come a point where, where I stop collecting games and probably playing games that aren't physically printed somewhere. Yep. Um, and I, I, I like the idea of where we're at right now where you don't have to, but somebody like Digital Run or uh, Limited Run will come up behind you and say, hey, you know, you've got enough customers that want to buy this. We need to do a run of them. Um, and that seems to go okay. But like Alan Wake releasing without a physical edition is just gross. Yeah, there's there's no reason for that. No, there's not. Be- and like they've had now THQ reached out to him and said like, hey, we'll publish it. We published the first one and they're sort of resisting. And I don't understand that. If you're going to go to digital only, want. <laughs> at least reduce the cost to strip out the manufacturing and shipping costs. Yes. Like, strip that. Even if it's 10 bucks. I don't care. Strip it out. I don't want to be paying the same price because then I'm locked into, oh, well, I can only buy it from your digital storefront. I guarantee the minute we switch to digital only, sales are going to start to drop off. Like, not the amount of sales, but discounted pricing. It's like, well, sure, where else are you going to buy it? Well, and, and again, like, this is just corporate greed at some point because it's not like they're not offsetting the cost of development right. with the price that's gone up 30% in the last two years. Right. Like we need to really focus on this and there needs, I hate to say it, but there needs to be some legislation around it because the price will keep climbing no matter what you do. Next, next generation will be lucky if we're not paying $90 a game. Um, And I don't like it. Not without the ability to buy a digital copy for say 50 bucks. Yep. Right. Because I think that will balance it out. I will sadly be stuck forever buying the $90 version. Uh, But you know, game should be available for, at least a, a relatively normal price uh, because everybody deserves the right to play games. Well, with that, should we switch gears to Summer Game Fest? Because that happened. I think so. And plus, that leads me into my conversation about MoCon. <laughs> All right. Well. I said MoCon. But yes, yeah, oh, so let's talk Summer Games Fest. What did you see that you liked? Well, I can tell you one thing that I saw that I didn't like. I know that doesn't answer your question, and it kind of ties in with what we were just talking about with Diablo and ARPGs. But holy shit, how bad does Baldur's Gate 3 look? Oh my god. Like, that keeps train... Like, that train keeps wrecking the further it goes down the tracks. You just... I don't even have words to express how disappointed I am, because I love Baldur's Gate. I mean, I've played the shit out of the PC ones. I played Dark Alliance 1 and 2... To absolute death. I mean, my discs are paper thin with how much they've spun around. <laughs> and when they announced Baldur's Gate 3, I'm like, here we go. Fucking great. Because Dark Alliance on PS5 was hot trash. Um, oh. I mean, it it scratched a little bit of that itch, but it just, it wasn't Baldur's Gate. Like, okay, great. Yeah. Let's, get, let's get back to it. I want a great Baldur's Gate. And then it went into early access. Like, you know what? It's rough. It's it's not clean. I'm not going to play it. I'm going to wait for the full final release. And the more they keep showing about it, it's like, this game's just awful. Like, look, they, they revealed Jason Isaacs within the game. And they were showing him doing his voiceover work and then how it matched up in the game. Like, it doesn't match up. <laughs> no lip syncing technology in 2023. On the PlayStation 2. <laughs> now, don't get me that wrong. that game, like, remember in the uh, the original trailers for it, how nice everything looked? Yeah. How 
you know, robust the animation was, how up to date the rendering style was, and now how all of that has gone out the window so we can play a PlayStation 2 game. It's just, it, it's unreal that they haven't learned, hey, don't show a game that you're not going to ultimately create. Like, people can see through that shit now. That used to trick us back in the PS2, PS3 era, when it's like, well, we're still coming into this, but we have the technology to make games not look shit. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still going to buy it the day it comes out. Oh, Because it's it's Baldur's Gate. I have to. But I'm going to bitch about it if it's terrible. And it's... Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be. I remember remember the original trailer being good and being very excited about it. And then I saw that first gameplay trailer and I was like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Notice how nothing looks like that here. (laughs) Is this a uh, alpha build of Dragon Age Origins? Whoo, buddy. Oh, this isn't going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) But again, like, I'll probably buy it. Um, Oh, I will buy it. Or at least at least pre-order it from somewhere that won't ship it like my Zelda book. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you one thing that I saw that I did like. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple things that I saw. As a whole, it was kind of lackluster. Yeah. As but far as... Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's because everybody's playing the game of who can create the next E3. Um, this is just my impression as an outside, you know, like I'm, I'm not saying anything or, you know, I've heard or said anything. Uh, but I will say like, this is the year that everybody tries to prove that E3 is unnecessary. And so all of the content across all the consoles is now split into three shows. Yep. And I think it's always kind of natural for one to be like, Hey, we've been telling you about this and here's some more, uh, which is exactly what we got from Sony. Right. Because there were no surprises there. Yeah. And is this everything that was showed here was just sort of like, eh? But a couple yeah. of things I really liked were John Carpenter's Toxic Commando. I feel like that that could go really well if done properly. Um, you know, it's, it's John Carpenter. I'll, I'll wish you luck shooting. on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it has I, a machine I just, gun. I find like my my tolerance for John Carpenter's games is really, or John Carpenter movies is really. Uh, tenuous because I can't watch another zombie movie about a big about a bunch of people that hide in a mall and have a big truck, right. like and that. What did they show off in this? I I think it's very much the same. And then you know, like the the, the retro music nerds will come out and start defending he can do nothing wrong because he plays a keyboard, uh, yeah. but it could be good. It um, could be. It could be good, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it some time. I'm I'm really actually excited in terms of zombie games about um. The Walking Dead, the Saints and Sinners too, because yeah, the first the one was so good. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. And plus, because it's a VR game, and wouldn't it be nice to have some for my headset that I own? Yes. Um, but I think you know, like that one. I don't. I didn't get a sense that it was a CG trailer, but I didn't get it the sense that that was an actual running game either. There were a lot of things happening on somewhere that in between. No slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing that caught my attention, too, until they revealed the name of it, and then I lost all interest because it's a stupid name, was uh, Sandland. Yeah, Sandland looked good. You know, it's it. I was hoping that they were going to show it was being done by level five because it kind of had that cell shaded look. But uh, it is kind of like Dragon Quest eight style graphics uh, in the world set by Akira Toriyama, the guy who did Dragon Ball. Um, looks neat. Uh, but 
other than that, I actually lost interest in Lies of P. I was kind of initially interested in that, but it doesn't look good. No, and we're entering that phase. Remember when everybody saw that for the first time and they said, like, oh, it's the next Bloodborne. Like, all of that art style has dripped off of it. So now it looks like a very generic fairy tale game, which I guess it could be good, but it could also just be a game where we're supposed to follow around Paul Atreides and jerk off. I don't know. Like, but it again, feel also, good. really stupid name. Stupid name. Very stupid name. Like, just call it Pinocchio. Yeah. I don't know that I could even pick out the Pinocchio in there anymore. But eh, we'll see. I I don't I don't I. I don't have a lot of faith. It's just like everybody having faith in uh, what's the new the Redux game. Oh, Lords of the Fallen. Everybody's yeah. like, dude, that looks so good. And I'm like, so did the first one. Yeah. <laughs> this game could end up being garbage again. So I'm going to be very cautiously optimistic about some things. I was shocked that Dan wasn't more excited for Sonic Superstars. I think that game looks great. I thought so as well. You know, girls are really excited for it. My kids are. Sure. Well, and I I do tend to like prefer when they go for a new updated style that it be in 3D. I know that's like, you know, I'm the antichrist of the retro community right now, but I do really prefer to see games move into the 3D era as 3D. I love Sonic Mania. I thought what it did was great, but I do want to see more newer Sonic or new more styled Sonics in 3D. And I thought that that it looked really good. Um. So I I hope it's as good as Sonic Frontier or whatever the last one was, but <laughs> probably not. No, I mean I think it's a gotta, Sonic game. It comes with a curse. Yeah, it's it's like Zelda games. You got to separate it into the two D versus the three D. Yeah, you can't compare. And I think that's yeah. I don't know. I really dislike the original three D Zeldas, um, and not because I thought that they were bad games, just because it was really hard to look at like the three D S art style of Zelda. Yeah, <laughs> that that sort of it's cell shaded, but no, it's cell shaded like shit. Yeah, um, you know, I just I have a hard time getting behind it, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game, right? Um, what was uh, I was really impressed by Mortal Kombat. I wish that I liked fighting games because that game looks great. I just I don't I don't have the mental acuity for it or the thumb dexterity. I can press like one button and a joystick input at, at a time. Like I can't do the combos. <laughs> I can't string shit together. I just mash buttons like, oh, cool. He punched him in the dick. Well, I mean, that is some of the fun of Mortal Kombat. But I really, you know, like from a fighting game perspective, it looked really interesting. And holy shit, the art style in that game, it's whoever really the art director good. is, needs a, like at a a Peabody Award. It's crazy. Like, the amount of detail in those backgrounds was nuts. Well, and I like how, I I didn't play through Mortal Kombat 11, but how he explained what happened at the end of 11 and how this sort of creates an offshoot of that. Yeah. And now we're in a new timeline. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the sort of concept of the game is interesting, again, which Mortal Kombat hasn't been interesting in a while. Um, and it could possibly take it back to its roots, which is like, hey, way over the top, silly kind of kung fu action, but in the style of like Big Trouble in Little China. Right. And I really do like that idea of it sort of regressing. I also like the idea of having buddy characters. I know I was critical of that at first. 
Uh, but you know, like some of the stuff they were doing with like buddy characters jumping in and doing combos off of your combos, uh, and then even doing fatalities like that shit looks fascinating. Yeah, I'm ready. Yep, <laughs> I won't buy it. Like, there's no chance I'll buy it. But if it comes free to PSN someday, I'll play it. But I won't buy it. Oh sure, 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 sure. Of course, I I have to once again give it up to them for coming up with over the top broccoli crushing celery simulator style yes. fatalities. Because uh, that always sounds really good. <laughs> you uh, you mentioned earlier Alan Wake 2. Um, yeah. Were you impressed by what you saw? No. Um, and mostly because it went for a weird, uh, like, over-sensationalized version of just something ordinary happening and it being scary. Like, to me, that trailer was just somebody walking through the woods. <laughs> yeah, of all of the things that you could show, like, Alan Wake is supposed to be this psychological thriller horror game where there's going to be some crazy shit that happens. You pick a three-minute section where an FBI agent walks through a tree into a gas station and gets startled by... Yeah, gets startled yeah. by a freezer falling over and then shoots a guy. That was the most exciting thing of that game you could pick out. Yeah. And again, it wasn't because it looked bad. It wasn't because it played bad. It just, I, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't hit that Alan note or Alan Wake chord for me. Um, and I, think, I, I wanted it to probably I think my, more than my I should fond deserved, memories but. of Alan Wake revolve around the show that we did around it. Because if I strip out the show that we did and how goofy that was, <laughs> the game was kind of boring. Sure, sure. Yeah, I but I remember that, it being good. It's just it was it it did drag. It well, did American Horror moments, Story, really. the DLC for that was apparently really good, which I should probably go and play. But um, as a whole, it was just kind of like eh, it was okay. Speaking of eh, it's okay. I saw the trailer not as part of uh, Summer Games Fest, but I saw the trailer for Alone in the Dark. Oh, and boy. man, does that reek of eh? That looks okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be. That'll be something. It's got, it's got David Harbour and some girl that's been in other things just walking around a big old house. And I thought, like, man, this makes baby Jesus cry. Like, this is not the spirit of, you know, like the ancient pirate haunted house themed weirdness. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like big budget gaming. I don't want to say it lacks imagination, but sometimes I feel like that imagination has to come off a certain shelf. Yeah. Um, and I don't like that. I like the I, I remember the era where games were weird um, and when something spooky or, you know, like Alone in the Dark is the basis for all Resident Evil games, all first person survival horror games. Um, it's their great, great granddaddy. And it was goofy and it was silly and it had weird like fourth wall breaking stuff in it. And I feel like we've kind of lost that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. I really don't. If you can produce something like Saints Row that's so, so obviously going for that, why can't you do it in a horror game? Everybody just wants to take themselves way too seriously. It's just. Oh, I agree with that. Like, I, I have never seen so many trailers, and some of them were inside Summer Game Fest, and some of them were, were not. But I kept looking at them like, man, these people genuinely go home like i am part of the pokemon collective and you know like i, I again like people just need to kind of ease up on games and yeah. games in particular because it's been going through such its own dramatic teenage you know like emo fright fest by itself but like games don't need to grow up they need to stay in their lane because right. you do now have a range of games that go from kids all the way up to mature adults but those things don't need to become one 
Right. Right. Like you need to keep the weird stuff and maybe you keep it when people are in kindergarten. Right. Like you have the SpongeBob game that, you know, like, you know, whatever Silent Bob comes out from behind the flagpole and starts propositioning them. I don't know (laughs) what that is. But like ultimately, I think the the effort to sort of homogenize all of it's kind of silly. Yeah, we're in a weird time. We are. Okay, now we got to talk about Final Fantasy Rebirth. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and we I do. don't want to do this without Dan. But we have because to. I'm because I'm afraid that he'll do it when we get him on the show next time. But it does look good. I'll say it like that. I think it looks amazing. It it looks confusing. Can I say that? Sure. Because they opened the scene up with the Shinra loading part of your team, like Red 13 and, and Tifa into an evacuation helicopter it's like well what the fuck they all escaped from midgar why are they being like did they fail in their mission are we going to be playing two concurrent storylines at the same time within this game because in the next scene they show cloud and tifa and red running through the the countryside towards calm and chocobo farm sure yeah i get it but i think this one's going to subvert expectations a little bit i think we did enough very different in the last game like especially towards the tail end that you could really take this story anywhere and my only hope is that we get some of the key locations in the original game i think final fantasy rebirth is now a completely separate game i don't i don't think we can rely on the the same old tropes and the same old like hey we went here and then we went there i think it's all going to happen in a different order right um I think that they're. I think it's going to require a certain level of confidence from the players to understand, like, okay, Square, they know what they're doing with this. They're going to stay somewhat true to the original, but they're also going to make some deviations because, as we discovered with with remake, things are set to be different. Zach is alive now, which changes yep. literally changes everything. We've discovered that. You know, Cloud wasn't at Nibelheim for that whole situation where he was you know, thinking that he was with with Sephiroth. But then they they alluded to a bunch of stuff with with Tifa. Like, is she the right person? Is she the the real person? Because Sephiroth was saying, I I killed her. And it shows that flashback where she was in her little cowgirl outfit and gets slashed. <laughs> and in one of the original trailers for Rebirth, they they show or they they show a part where Cloud is talking and, and says um, you know, when I found you lying on the floor, I thought it was too late, which shows like, oh, well, maybe she was dead. So, okay, so who's this Tifa? So have we now entered an alternate timeline and two of them are are intersecting with certain plot points and certain characters? Who the hell knows? Yeah. Well, and I think that's important um, for the the older of us that played through the first time because again i think all the same types of things will happen in this game but i think they'll happen in a very different order and i think that your expectation for a certain boss or a certain type of boss um coming up especially as they do in the game is going to be subverted i noticed that like they did not show the gold saucer but they did show a section of them on the tram right so i was you know i'm like okay so we'll see all of it um and then if we don't see Wu-Tai, I'm going to be blown away. Uh, or if it becomes like another side story, that's going to be silly, but I'll be blown away. And then I think we'll see a lot. I think it'll shift immediately to the cave, the cavern and meteor section. Um, and then maybe the game goes beyond the last boss. So 
do you think this is going to fall, go to the end of the game? Because they said initially, actually, I don't remember if they said, but there was that speculation that it was going to be three games. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, and only because they started to show the Meteor stuff. And obviously they were in Meteor uh, by the time it all started, right? Like there was a playable section of them going down into the crater mm-hmm. with Meteor. So I'm really, I I, I don't know. But I, I would almost expect them to end this the way that we think that the game ends and then keep going. Maybe they do something with weapons um, that's very different. Maybe they do something with, um, you know, us going to Sephiroth's next world or whatever that is. Uh, but I think that we get to see more Final Fantasy than we got before. And then I think what they'll try and do, and this is just my guess... Uh, because they focused on Red 13 a little bit so far. Maybe we get to see why he um, ends the original Final Fantasy the way he does, it, and it's like hundreds of years in the future. And we haven't seen that yet in the series of games. Yeah, I think that's actually, I think that would be a really neat idea to have this game take it to the end of the game that we know. Yeah. And then the third game comes out and he's like, what the, f- where's this going to go? Because Advent Children did that, where they showed, yeah. you know, here's the effects of the geostigma, and here's what Cloud's doing now, and you know, it it brings in I can't remember their names, but the the guys who call Genova mother and all of that. Yep. So that would be neat to continue carrying on, because then essentially they could go, all right, cool, we've shown you everything you're used to, but now let's go and and yeah. just really build it out. I hope they do stop to explain why um, you were able to subvert time or why, you know, why in the game world that that happened and why, you know, Sephiroth is basically getting a second chance to do it, knowing all the things that he knows. Uh, But, you know, there are certain key sections that I'm going to want to see. Like, I need to see the Nibelheim, you know, burn down. I think that's a, a pretty pivotal scene. I need to see um, them in the... the the cave or whatever it was that had all the hieroglyphs on the wall that explained what meteor was. Yep. Um, but I, you know, again, I'm going to kind of hold my breath for some reason. I'm not feeling like we get the whole section where clouds out of the picture. Um, and that's just a guess, but I don't think we get to see that this time around. Um, and to be fair, like that section of the game, completely drug. <laughs> yes. I, I, what I really hope, and I, I think there's a chance that we're going to get this, is that it is truly a, an open world. Because you saw a shot where Cloud's running up to Junon, and you can see the high wind kind of moored above the cannon. Yeah. I really hope you can hop in the high wind and just fly around. Oh, fuck yeah. I want to see that. I want to see, more than I want to see it, I want to see what the the team has made a decision on what that whole world looks like. Because we get a chance to like hop in there and go explore. Like I'm sold on that game for life. 100%. I, I However, want to go to Knights of the Round, <laughs> the uh, island. <laughs> what are you? What are your thoughts about uh, them keeping in chocobo breeding? I think that's a sign that we're going to get Knights of the Round. Honestly, like because I mean, you need the chocobo farm to do most of that. Oh, I saw chocobo um, farm. I got so excited. Yeah, I really want to see the big snake's head on a stick. Uh, yeah, there the, are certain just sections of that game that I think are the Midgar Zalem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like very verse, very visually sort of the penultimate of what we had expected in a generation. And I'm just, I'm excited to see what they do next. I also don't think they hit their next date. (laughs) Early 2024. (coughs) I'd say it's a summer game. That's just a guess, but they don't seem to be showing off enough to be as done as they say they are. So they made a point of, of saying early 2024 on two discs. Well, yeah, that's great. 
what is that perfect what does that mean because final fantasy 7 remake was technically two discs it was the install disc and the play disc yeah but they didn't make an announcement like it's on two discs so is it two play discs maybe i mean if you didn't have a ton of cinemas you could probably cram that down into one so maybe there's just not a ton of story driving in that game but again the sections that they're talking about going through you have to have story yeah i don't know i'm i'm pumped for it I was I was very excited about the whole Cosmo Cannon scene. I know. I was very like I'm like oh god you got to let me play that fucking game. I got to play that game again. <laughs> I uh, I was disappointed that they didn't show anything from the Gold Saucer. Yeah, I feel like, they but can I think take, that's the big ta-da. They could take that section and flesh that out. What I'm what I'm kind of concerned about is that they kind they they set the stage for hey, we're going to take a deep dive into each of these sections of the game. Like Midgar, in the grand scheme of the original Final Fantasy, was five hours in a 100-hour experience. And they made that last 40 hours. So if they take this now to the end of the game, how much other shit are they just glazing over? Because well, if they yeah, were, absolutely, you're right. But is there enough stuff in those other places? Like, I, I think the, the key points where you could really dive into quite heavily would be what happens in Calm. That's, yep. There's a ton of shit that happens there. Then what happens outside Gold Saucer and inside Gold Saucer. That's a, that's a big chunk you could really flesh out. Then the yep. next big chunk is Cosmo Canyon and Rocket Town. And then after that is Wutai yep. and North Crater. Which, again, is a huge, huge piece of that game that I think gets more fleshed out this time. I think so. But, you know, in thinking about it, I don't know if they could really stretch each of those into their own full-size, like, remake-size game. No, but again, I mean, you're talking about a game with two discs, so now the sky's kind of the limit on what we do here. Um, and I And again, because I think you can focus more on the story and less on the... Like, hey, we have to do all the individualized cinematics in between. I think we get a lot more or a lot less filler content than we got in the first Rebirth. Because let's face facts, we did a lot of that filler because they wanted to flesh out the story and they couldn't get you from A to B without, you know, 15 battles and additional like, oh, can you fix my hair dryer? You know, like you can't do that. I Um, hope there's a lot of side questing in this one, too, where you can just explore the world. But I'm, I'm genuinely curious because you could cut me off at any point in that game and just show me a cutscene from the next game and I would be thrilled. Yep. Again, I'm, I'm really invested in this series again. Uh, did you ever get the PlayStation 5 version? I did. I didn't play it. Oh, okay. You need to you need to play like Yuffie's expansion. And I played that. I played Yuffie's expansion. Oh, did you? OK. I didn't okay. play the PS5 uh, upgrade of remake. OK. I mean, I, I think it's worth it. Uh, just be- because we're going to be getting back into that world and why not do it in a pretty way? Uh, but I, was, I think also it will help you sort of frame new opinions about what happens. Um, and for the same reason, like I'll, I'll level with you, like I'm playing the uh, uh, Death Stranding director's cut again uh, because it's so don't, ingrained. Don't. I know, I know. I just, I just had that thought the other day. It's like I was, uh, I was listening to Spotify and some... Uh, Death Stranding music came on. Uh, like I, ah, oh shit. You know lo, what are they? Low roar. That's the name. Yep. Of it? Yeah. I should. I kind of want to play that again. 
<laughs> but I shouldn't. I shouldn't. No. I shouldn't try and play that and Diablo at the same time. How about that? <laughs> I think I'll probably play through Remake again this you know, this fall in preparation. Yeah. You know, fall or maybe over Christmas break. But I need to space out my Zelda or my uh, Final Fantasies because 16 is a week and a half, two weeks away. Oh, God. Everything that I see about that game gets me more excited, except for the main character's name. Yeah, I, and I think that yeah, it'd be nice if you could change it. <laughs> I would name it Tom. Just name him Bob. Hello, Bob. Oh, great Earl, Knight of the Magistrate, Bob. <laughs> Final Fantasy is known for having some goofy off-the-wall names, but who the hell approved Clive? I, I can tell you that I think many of the names and most of the Final Fantasies are pretty dumb, but Clive is especially egregious. It's not one of those, like, fiery Mexican Clives. You yeah. can't get Clive. Like, <laughs> just name, name the guy. You have the party named Chester, Bill, Bob, Tom, and Joe. Like, I like it. And then for a like female, it. just add Sue in there. But it's a boy named Sue. <laughs> boy named Sue, yes. <laughs> Just so everybody can play the joke over and over again. No, I think that will be good. I'm excited to see Final Fantasy shift away from the, hey, let's go make a bunch of sandwiches. Um, and yeah. I liked 15. I really did. But I'm I'm anxious to see it go back. There, was, there were quite a few comments about the fact that the development team had to hire or create a Final Fantasy 16 lore specialist because of how confusing everything is just to keep the lore straight like i'm in 100 percent in because it brings me back to final fantasy tactics and 12 okay now i know that you guys are developing a really fleshed out world (laughs) and it's going to be very political it's going to be awesome I'm I'm all in. I'm a little disappointed that we're not getting a movie ahead of it to set up the world, you know, like we did with Kingsplay. No, no, they could still come up with a, a CG movie like two months after the game comes out. That'd be important. <laughs> I still maintain Kingsglaive's an excellent movie. It is. And it is. I, and I actually enjoyed Kingsglaive more than I did the game. I think that watching Kingsglaive helped me enjoy the game more because you understood like, oh, okay, I get it. That's what these people are doing. Yeah. No, and I thought Kingsglaive... It was weird because when it, you know, remember that Royal Edition or whatever it was that came out with it? Yeah. I remember thinking, like, this isn't, like, tertiary. It's not side content. Like, you need to watch this hour and a half long movie to make this game make sense. Yeah. Um, And I was, was and then I was kind of in a place where I was like, well, that's disappointing. Then half the people that are playing this aren't playing that and understanding what it is they're doing. Um, So I kind of, I took issue with it. um, And it made me like Final Fantasy 15 less. But I, you know, again, I can't fault the movie for that. The movie was excellent. Well, they gate locked that movie too. It was only available on the PlayStation Network. Ugh, gross. And you had to get the collector's edition to get the Blu-ray of it, I believe. Yeah, I did. And I, th- I think you can actually like buy the Blu-ray of it now. But had they just put it out on streaming services? Yeah, it was terrific. And maybe put it out like two weeks in advance and get people excited about a game coming out. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> there's this whole thing in the world, guys, called marketing. I mean, it had Sean Bean and Aaron Paul in it. Like, yeah. You know, Leah Hetty, uh, who else is in there? Yeah. I think those are all the big name ones. But the fact that Aaron Paul was in it and, and Sean Bean, it was just great. It was a great movie. Yeah. Well, and you're right. It did set up the whole world. And so, again, I'm back to like, why didn't you just make this mandatory? 
Right. Um, and I'm not ever suggesting putting a two hour cutscene in a desk. We all played Metal Gear. It was good. <laughs> um, but like we now need to move on to the point where we're saying like, hey, you need to watch this first um, and we're going to give you a week or two to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, missed opportunity. But I am excited about 16. I think 16 has the it has the look and feel of a game that I want to play. Um, and I've tried to stay as media silent on it as I can. Uh, but I did see, you know, the trailer where you're fighting like the big summons and that seemed awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. I, yeah, there's no way I'm going to be done with Diablo by then, but I have to be done with Zelda by then or I will never finish Zelda. Because, no, I get it. Because once 16 drops, everything else stops mattering. It'll go into the Horizon Zero Dawn bucket of never going to be finished games. That poor game. <laughs> I I picked it that up. Poor, I just I keep buying it because I'm like, I, I swear I'm trying to engage you. <laughs> I put another 10, 15 hours into it, and then Zelda came out. It's like, sorry, buddy. Like, I'll, I'll, you know, it's like when your kid comes up to play with you and you're busy with work. You're like, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'll play with you tomorrow. No time. Yeah. No, no time. I get it. Daddy, Daddy's busy. And it's such a shame, too, because that game seems so good. But now with the release schedule already out for the summer and then going into the fall, and then we've got a couple big games. Yeah, it's going to be two years before I play it. Yeah. And, and it's going to have to be a desert island game for me. Oh, yeah. uh, be- because I like I'll go play other stuff one day. I'll get a Bloodborne patch. Damn it. Yeah. And then that's <laughs> it. But you had a you you mentioned something about Mocon and I got oh, Mocon? did you yeah. know that Mocon's coming up? Did you know? Did you know it that Mocon's almost here? Seven weeks. One, two, three, four, five, six. We're under <sighs> seven weeks. Oh, my list is coming together. I've got a job. Shit, I got to do a hotel this week. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, I'm ready. I've had my I've had my envelope with my Mocon money in it since. Very nice. March. So very just good. Got, got oh, I'm so excited. Twelve hundred bucks cash socked away. That's nice. my my earmark for Mocon. Um, it's going to be a small crew of us this year. That's okay. It's just I you. think it's going to be a smaller Mocon this year, and that's okay too. It's in a different venue, which I'm not sure how I feel about. Well, I mean, we 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 were headed to break tradition anyway because we needed to get a new hotel this year. This is just the excuse, right? <laughs> but the main thing is, like, I don't know where all the good people are going to be anymore. No, but I again, I think it's a smaller show, and I'm not saying it's a small show. It's just smaller than last year's, so it should be easier for us to get around in that first hour and figure everything out. Is this our fourth or fifth year going? I think it's fifth. I think we would have had a sixth if it wasn't for pandemic. God damn, five years! Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. It's in just five you, years of the annual runaround. It's you, <laughs> me, Matt, Ernie. And hopefully Cody. Cody's planning okay. on coming. And his girlfriend might come down too. She's not really going to know until the last minute. But I think, it's just, I think it's just four of us. Okay. Which, well, I'll get a hotel room. I'll house as many of us as I can. I'll bring air uh, mattresses. If Cody's girlfriend and... shows up, we can put her in the bathroom, I guess. Because that's going to be the only safe space. It, it will be. <laughs> you know what? Damn it. If you want your own room, that's on you. But we're all packing in here. Get in. It's going to get cozy and smelly. Uh man. Yeah, I like the idea about staying in your car. I thought that was totally not what I'm going to do. <laughs> the RV? <laughs> no, your car. <laughs> oh. RV, maybe. Well, that's car, what I, no. <laughs> that's what I sent a picture of, the RV, not the car. No, the RV looks good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. At the very least, it ought to make our runaround day much easier, and then we can lock all that shit in the car. <laughs> or 
have Co- if Cody drives down separately because he's not sure he's going to be able to make it down to ride down with me. So you could have his car there. Um, yeah. I, don't, I mean, if you guys want me to investigate it, I could I could arrange bringing that down and we could save money and just find a campground. It'd be it'd be a tight. I mean, it it sleeps three comfortably. Four is like we could do it because it's got two <laughs> beds in the back, one in the like the the mother in law suite up above, and then we could put an air mattress on the floor for someone. Oh, that's true. But uh, it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for like hanging out, playing games. That's true. That is one of the hallmarks of Mocon that I think makes it fun is our ability to spread out and like showcase some of the games, play yeah. some of the games, and drink my face off on a bed that I don't have to make. Yeah, and that's, that you don't uh, have to worry about, you know, disinfecting the sheets. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe the hotel. Let me let me look into it this week. I'll, I'll yeah. If it it's gonna be like four hundred dollars a night, it's like man, eh, maybe the RV's not such a bad idea. Oh man, let me tell you about the dichotomy of hotels around where we are staying. We have the eighty dollars hotel a room a night, which equates to the Airbnb, and then we have like the hundred and twenty dollars room, which is basically what we've been staying in so far. Uh, and then I see stuff for like one hundred and eighty and one hundred and ninety. I'm like, let me see amenities because if one of these is attached to a casino, we should go there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I like free drinking. <laughs> I am willing to throw some money on a table for that. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I think I think we'll probably go hotel. But if you want to bring the RV, man, I'll be happy to sky around with it during the day. I think that would be a blast. See us coming at Checkers now. Here we you know, are. Like- <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to drive the RV down if we're not staying in it. Cause that, that sucker is going to get horrid gas mileage. Yeah. Are you going to bring the Jeep? I don't know. I might ask Christy if I can borrow her car and just save a little gas money. All right. That's fair. Either way, just make sure you got rooms for games because we're going to have two game filled days. And I very much am not going to fight people for storage. I'll just say like, (laughs) well, you just can't sit in the car then. Maybe I I should just bring the Jeep. (laughs) Or I could have my sister borrow her van. Oh, the van. Van life is good life. Uh, No, I refuse. (laughs) <laughs> oh come on what's 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 life without a bunch of middle-aged guys running around in a van <laughs> yeah because that screams awesome oh there's nothing awesome that we're gonna do over the next three days in july in mocon that can't be accomplished in a van <laughs> well i think by tradition that we still have to go back to that same starbucks and bother those people again all right we got to find out how far that is because if it's like seven in the morning i'm gonna say no <laughs> Yeah, you're probably not wrong. I, and not not because I want to say no to going to the Starbucks, but because I'm going to be at the front of that VIP line, goddammit. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> Last yeah. year, I got pushed out of the way by those 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 two larger gentlemen in front of me, and I regretted it the whole day. Like, now you got to get your ass out of my way. <laughs> we will be first I don't, in line. I don't like... That's that's my, my Disney World hatred. In my, any, any place I got to go wait in lines. If you are a larger gentleman, and you stand in front of me, you understand that every time that there's a two foot gap between you and the people in front of you, I'm going to be grabbing my hammer. Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm a larger gentleman and I can keep moving with the line. But like yeah. people that like <sighs> hold up I need to get my meds. Get the fuck out of my way. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what about our history together suggests that you should be in my way, but you shouldn't. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Well, that's all I've got today. This week, this this time, I I don't even know what we're gonna call this. 
this shit show. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. That's good. We got to talk about games. That's what's important. I'll talk about yes. games. I don't know when Dan's going to be back. That guy has decided that a job working weekends is a good idea, um, which I'm too old yeah, for that. Yeah. <laughs> it you could know? be. Like, if he only had to work weekends. Eventually, yes. But then the rest of us would have to shift our show schedule to weekdays, which that won't work. Uh uh, you never know. I could probably do it, but I, I like I like the notion that we're actually waiting on Tom to come back from the lake while burying people and buying cream. Hey, I'm gonna go up and visit Tom here in about a month and a half, so maybe then we'll get him on a show. That's fair. I, I'd like to see Tom. Yeah, I'm actually working in Winnipeg, so I might actually drive down to see Tom at some point. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that'd be good, man. All right, that's all I got, buddy. We will catch you later. Have fun. I'll send you my shit. This episode of Factory Sealed is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon sponsors, with an extra special thank you to Zach Foley, Santos Lopez, Samuel Chun, Jonathan Weaver, Miles Prower, Jordan Lawfrey, Stephanie, Jason McGill, Colin Niblo, Mark Marcheshi, Juliet Breslin Romano, Gus Robin, Dalton Suter, Aaron Lanning, Brandon Meyer, Cheaper Gamer, Hesley Hattie, Cody Halverson, Robert True, Julian Santuki, J.H., Thomas Roderick, Kevin Loth, and Andrew Ballesteri.